0: Okay, today on InCheck with Fintech, we have Mr. Daniel Dodelain. He is the CEO of Alka, a Norwegian payments company. Daniel, thanks very much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Luis. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Daniel, I've been reading a bit about your biography uh, just in research for this conversation. And I think it's fair to say you're a fairly big deal in the world of Scandinavian payments and fintech. uh, And maybe further afield as well. Uh, but maybe for some of our non-Scandinavian, non-European listeners, do you mind giving us the potted kind of biography of your own background in, in the world of payments and financial technology and banking?
1: Sure, um, that sounded like big shoes to, to fill, but I'll, I'll have a go and do my best. <laughs> so, um, so my background, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've built multiple companies throughout my journey. I've, I've never failed properly, so I've never gone bankrupt, but I've seen all sides of being an entrepreneur. Um, my journey in financial services started in 2006. So I stumbled upon the financial services space way before the word fintech existed uh, in a fairly sort of serendipitous situation where where I was to transfer some money to a friend of mine. And I thought the whole experience was um, was not really catered to in a nice way from a usability perspective. So um, I decided to to make a better solution. And, and that's where this whole journey for me started. Um, fast forward several years, and I, I, I spent a lot of time researching how payments really work under the hood, um, only to discover that it, it really didn't cater to my vision. So I wanted to enable people to send and receive money as easy as texting. Um, and this is back in the Nokia days, so we didn't have smartphones. So I, I started to look into the infrastructure side uh, spend time trying to construct a better a better way of doing it. Um, I believe I, I landed at a place where I was happy with the concept. We implemented a technical MVP for that, and um, the rest is sort of history. And 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 that history is that we created the first mobile payments technology platform to be built in in the Scandinavian region. Mm-hmm. And uh, we tried to. So, I mean the easiest way to explain what that was at the time was if you know Alipay or if you know you know VChat Pay, or if you know any of the the us schemes known as uh, you know Venmo or Cell. Uh, or now today, the, the Nordic schemes. Um, so a mobile payments app you download to your phone where you can send and receive money in real time only using phone numbers and, and you can connect your cards and your bank accounts and you can send money uh, and pay at businesses as well. So we had that whole thing um, scoped up. And in 2010, we created the formal company around that and we got a got a patent for this in 2011. Uh, so we were fairly ahead of the curve in terms of you know creating the future of payments back then. So that's where it all started. Um, and uh, what we ended up doing was to launch that directly to consumers in, in Norway, uh, simply because none of the banks really wanted to work with us. So we traveled. The Nordics tried to to partner with the banks. Um, but we were clearly, in hindsight, we were way too early. Um, so so we, we missed on the timing part. Um, But we we decided to go ahead and do this anyway. So we applied for the the first license under PSD1. Mm. It wasn't called called (laughs) PSD1 at the time. Um, Later on known as PSD1 because we now, as everyone knows in this industry, we have PSD2. Mm. So we applied for a license. um, We uh, raised um, a fairly sizable amount of money for the time uh, as a fintech. Again, the word didn't exist at this time to go directly to consumers. So we got the license, we had the technology, and we launched a service called MCash in Norway. And uh, we were alone in the market for about one and a half years. Uh, We reached a significant amount of the the, um, the consumer, or the addressable market on the consumer side, as well as partnering with thousands of merchants. Mm. And we learned a lot from doing that. It was really exciting. Uh, We did a lot of mistakes, obviously being the first ones to do this, anything from, the technology side has always been quite rock solid in fact, but more on the the wrap in and the the way you you market it and sort of the the um, the broad spectrum of services, um, we clearly launched too much at the same time. Um, but we were successful enough and learned a lot a lot from doing that and um, the result of that was that the largest bank in Norway decided that this wasn't such a bad idea after all and decided to launch a competitor. And um, on the back of that, the largest bank group in Norway said, you know, hmm, uh, maybe we need to play a role in this game as well. And um, we figured out that we 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 didn't really want to be, um, you know, squeezed between a rock and a hard place in a very small market that we originally launched and, and and sort of greenfielded and spent a lot of money and resources to to you know mature and understand this market. So if the if the big guys came in and and wanted to to take this market on their own we decided it was, it was best for us if we could get out of that, uh, that competitive squeeze and rather turn around and, and internationalize what we've learned. So we ended up uh, selling the rights to the technology and the customers we had on that technology in Norway to the largest banking group. Helped them and supported them in in saturating the Norwegian market, competing with the other bank, and then finally they all decided to merge this and and create one national domestic mobile payment scheme in Norway. Huh. So so we see we see that as sort of our legacy. Uh, I know that this wasn't the short gist of what you asked for, but at least it's 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 our background and where I come from and what I invented, and and I feel a strong sense of ownership and and a sense of sort of responsibility for the development that was. Uh, experienced in the Nordic countries, uh, especially in, in Norway, where we today are the world champions in terms of mobile payment app adoption. Mm. Uh, so yes, Alip- Alipay in China—I guess they have you know 1.2, 1.3 million billion users. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in terms of the saturation of the population, the Scandinavian countries are actually higher. So if you if you're looking for the place on earth. Where alternative mobile payment apps, like the ones I mentioned, are uh, you know most popular, it would be Norway, Sweden, and Denmark combined. Um, so so that's that's our legacy. That's where we come from. That's what we've done. And um, that's, a, that's a quick segue for what we're doing now. So Auka, our company, is the same company that invented this whole thing and sold it to so, banks. Sorry, and run sorry, sorry to the interrupt,
0: place. Daniel. Well, we'll definitely get on to Auka. We'll, op- we'll open a whole new bit there. I wanted to just... Uh... Question, a few more questions on MCASH. That's a fantastic legacy to have been a part of and to sell it to a large banking conglomerate and then to use that as part of the architecture of what is now the most, uh, let's say, mature mobile banking ecosystem in in the world. Um, So, the infrastructure or or patents that MCASH um, sold. Um, they would have been developed and, and added to since what 2012, 2013, and they still comprise some of the foundational sort of technology um, for mobile payments infrastructure in scandinavia
1: yeah so i mean the, the way that there there are many aspects to this right, and if you want to become really nerdy when it comes to the infrastructure side and the sort of payment rails mm. so, was, so some of the some of the things we originally invented. Um, was later, they later got names. So, I mean, charging a, a card, a payment card, whether or not debit or credit, or Visa or MasterCard or any of the other schemes. So charging a card for a payment that you would do sort of with electronic money later inside a wallet environment, uh, whether or not that wallet would you know charge as you go, or it would be staged or or you would top up, that whole concept didn't really exist when we started. So we actually formalized that whole concept inside the card the card networks, Result in in you know new MCC codes being created and new concepts like super merchants and aggregated merchants and and these type of concepts in the in the traditional payment infrastructure and schemes. So we were part of doing that so that you could add your card into this payment wallet and pay as you go. Um, On the technology side, um, the way we process transactions, the way we sort of holistically connect the platform to payment cards to bank accounts. Now, in today's world, both from a proprietary perspective, so direct connections with banking partners where we have a relationship and we work constructively together, or um, connections that are driven by open banking initiatives, so in Europe, PSD2, RTS compliant APIs. Um, all of those connections are then tied into our platform. And on top of that, we also have you know other types of funding sources. So lines of credit and, and and you know telco billing and wh- whatever like loyalty points any type of account really, um, so so that whole concept and that API layer to to interconnect sort of the old and the new uh, we built and and is still actually a crucial part of our infrastructure and our technology, and these concepts live on in in Norway today. Um, now what we sold and and what was sort of inherited by the banks and then later merged in a, in a joint effort, we're not directly involved in that today. We got our money, we, we served the market, we delivered to our, our banking partners and they are now self sustained in terms of the further operation and development. So they, I think there's about 400 people working in this um, bank owned technology company today that's running the mobile payment service specifically in Norway only. Um, but the concepts and, and likely large portions of the technology and the infrastructure and the, the concepts that we put together to make this all work uh, is absolutely in play today. And we see exactly the same type of concept being used in, in the other neighboring markets. In addition to, funny enough, you know, the, the, the most successful one in, in terms of the number of users looking at Alipay, The foundation of that is exactly the same as what we created back in when the journey started in 2006 and formalized in 2010. I was
0: going to ask about that. Is that just coincidence or was there ideas shared between the two technical communities back then? Or how is it the case that Scandinavia and China kind of developed along roughly the same path in this area?
1: It's absolutely a coincidence. So um, the only ones that I, when I did my research, I spent four years studying the payment infrastructures and and how the systems work before I wrote my own functional description and applied for the for the patent in Norway. Mm. Um, the only ones I, I stumbled upon back then, because at that time, the concept of Alipay as a standalone app and a payment network didn't really exist. If you look back in history, you'll see that that was formalized a bit later. Um, Simply because the the systems around Alipay, so Alibaba Group at that time was more you know a web-based marketplace to connect um, you know buyers from outside of China with sellers inside of China, yes. and the payment the payment rails on top of that was for a, a facilitator for transactions on that ecosystem. So I I'm not going to say that you know they stumbled upon the concept of payment this way, but clearly they started in a different from a different starting point than what we did. Um, the ones we stumbled upon when when I did this research, and, and funny enough, I mean, my background before I did this was value-added services, working with telcos to provide um, SMS-driven um, solutions and services, because that was the thing. Yeah, <laughs> that was the yeah. thing back then. That was what we had. Um, and uh, funny enough, to look back to sort of who 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 else was out there doing interesting stuff in terms of mobile payments at the time. So I, I think it's the same year around 2006, end of 2006, start of 2007 when, when M-Pesa was put together. Um, I think it was Tanzania was which the first market, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that information right now. But so, so funny enough, there was some some people or one person, you know, on, not literally, but sort of on the, on the top side of the globe versus somebody on the bottom side of the globe <laughs> co- co- coming up with this idea. And I think the starting point for them was also this need of transacting easily with a tool that everyone had, which was at the time very cheap, um, like SMS powered, or even not even SMS, but um, um, like the SIM card application powered um, phones. And on our end, um, the more smarter versions of that phone. But the concept and the idea was sort of the same. How can we enable two people that has this device in their hand to transact over the wires or the the, the remote wires and the, wi- the, the, wi- the wireless connectivity that they have in their pocket? How can we tie this concept of moving value through the system? So that is the only thing I stumbled upon during my research is that someone else was trying to do at least parts of what I was doing. Um, a very crucial part of the story for me, at least, was that While my technology and and the network we have running today is very visual and very consumer-oriented and it has a beautiful interface and we care deeply about sort of the experience of money and and commerce and and buying and selling, back then and sort of the the foundation of everything we have today was very, um, you know, hardcore technology under the hood, it's more about how we move money and how we connect and how we utilize new modern technologies that was for the most part not even heard about or heard of in the in the financial services industry. So and we still we still carry that forward today. I mean, the the way we deal with um, our own treasury, for example, is something we built back then. So the concept of having uh, systems accounts in multiple financial institutions across multiple countries, and allowing people to transact uh, in real time on top of that while not really moving any money underneath until we, we have to mm-hmm. creates this uh, this other outside layer on top of what was previously known in terms of financial transactions. I mean, when just go five years back in time, or to a large extent still today, the concept of corresponding banks and that, that you sent me money from one country and I am receiving it in another, where you know, a multitude of different financial institutions are actually involved in the concept of moving the money from A to B, um, where that's not really needed because everything you want to do is to send me money. <laughs> and and there, are, there are more clever ways, smarter ways, cheaper ways to achieve that result and, and move value Outside of the sort of old traditional networks, and and these are things we we thought of and created um, back then, and they're still with us today. So clearly, they they serve the purpose, um, and and uh, we, we see that um, you know the the, the transfer Vice and the revoluts and the others that have sort of joined into the, the modern financial services space, they're actually using many of the same concepts that we created back then.
0: Yeah. No, I think it sounds like you were well ahead of your time, maybe a bit too ahead of your time, but that's okay because you've managed to, uh, let's say, capitalize or, or dovetail nicely <laughs> into your into your next company, which is Alka. Um, so please, Daniel, tell us about this company. Firstly, it's proper pronunciation. I understand it's a nice Norwegian word, so tell us how to say it. Tell us where, where you come up with this name and please tell us uh, what this company does.
1: Yeah, so like language, I mean, it's, it's yours to own, right? So however you want to say it. But in, in Norwegian, we say auka, which is uh, an old Norse uh, name. Uh, it's an old Norse word. So sort of, let's call it a viking word. It means to increase or intensify or simply more of more of something. Right. So like uh, it, it's a part, yeah, obviously we did as well. So um, auka is, is um, the sort of legacy from this whole story of creating mobile payments in the Nordics. And we have the IP rights for the whole technology and the platform that we created. And we've continued to develop that from, you know, from day one, we've never stopped um, innovating and we've expanded our platform to serve uh, the only product that we are providing. Um, So the product that OutGuy is providing is um, an app and a service called Settle. And, uh, we have a license, uh, an e-money license, that we've passported out of Norway um, across all of the EU states. And we're basically trying to replicate the, the unique success of mobile payments out of the Nordics uh, to the rest of the world, starting with Europe. So what we're providing in the service of Settle is simply a consumer-oriented payments app where people can send and receive and manage their money instantly from one unified interface on their, on their phone. Um, and we are uniquely compared to a lot of other services out there. So we're not like a neo bank or anything like that. We're, we're also supplying on the business side.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we are also providing Settle for Business, which is a tool for businesses to accept digital payments without requiring any hardware. So it's tapping into the ecosystem with the consumer. So we're creating valuable connections between the consumers and the businesses. Um, The vision for this uh, fundamental is to digitize and democratize money and access to money. And we see that what we've been fortunate to create and and sort of saturate the market with up here in the north is something we believe strongly is going to happen all across the world. And especially now with our license in in all the EU countries, we're trying to do that firstly in Europe. And we see that, you know, Europe is a very diverse place. Uh, The EU member states are, are quite different uh, when it comes to to um, the financial services and access to money and digital tools to to as a consumer to pay and get paid and for businesses to accept payments and 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 connect with their customers and and sell more uh, many countries are still extremely cash heavy and many of the the more digitized economies where you still have access to card acceptance or card acceptance is still growing, we see that the card acceptance tools are quite expensive. They are, you know, non-inclusive in terms of the fact that they cost a lot of money and there's a lot of logistical nightmares surrounding those solutions uh, and also some environmental uh, challenges. So your plastic card in your pocket is not necessarily very environmentally friendly Mm. and equally the the acceptance devices you need as a business uh, are most definitely not environmentally friendly. There's billions of cards in circulation, You know, they're plastic based, so they're not good for the environment in any way or form, equally than the terminals. And if you ignore all of that, the terminals are quite expensive and they require battery or power. You know, they print paper receipts. There's a lot of logistical challenges with that. Uh, So we believe that what we've seen in the Nordics uh, and now also confirmed in China and as well happening now in the U.S. is that when people and businesses already have the tools so let's say smartphones for example are becoming ubiquitous so when everyone has these tools there's an opportunity to sort of move the concept of payments onto these tools rather than requiring the parties to buy more stuff Mm -hmm. so it's sort of the internet revolution all over again but now on on moving something as as boring and cold and hard as cash onto its digital sibling and so, so that's what we're doing and um On on the business side, we're extremely focused on enabling specifically the smaller businesses uh, because the big businesses don't necessarily have a problem. And and even if we believe that they have a problem, it's not prevalent for them just yet to solve that problem. So we're looking at the the, the small, micro, and mid-sized businesses where we believe that there's a huge opportunity to empower them, right? That means even the businesses that hasn't started yet because... It's too high of a bar to jump over to sort of formalize a business and get hold of payments equipment and sign up with a merchant account and, you know, file a bunch of paper. So we're, we're trying to reduce the load uh, and make it super simple, self-service, automated online, and you can accept payments as a business without any hardware. So people can simply, as you would send money to a friend using their phone number in the Settled ecosystem, you could also send money to a business just by name. So you don't even need any hardware. So imagine you're on the beach somewhere and there's this guy who's operating the, you know, the beach chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not a perfect environment for you to have like a, a very formal business with card machines and, and cash registries and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would still like lease out these chairs and service them and wash them and potentially bring some cold drinks to the to the tourists. It, it's a perfect environment for enabling this person with, with some smarter tools and he could just ask that you send him the money that you agreed. You'll deal with the paperwork later because all the transactions are reconciled and reported in a proper manner and you have access to that through the portal. But you do that later during the night when you want to send the paperwork to your accountant, everything is you know, reported there but you don't necessarily need that uh, right there on the beach. So as long as you can just send him the money for the services that are being rendered, you're happy because you have the phone in your hand anyway. And he's happy because you don't need to cater to machines, POS terminals and everything. And that's just one small example. And clearly, as you can hear me talking about this, we're extremely passionate about enabling these businesses to to go digital and, Mm. and for people to create more of these businesses. We believe that there's, you know, millions of businesses that are not created yet because the friction to get there is too big. And and we want to remove that friction and empower people to create businesses and empower the businesses that already exist to be more efficient, smarter, and ultimately just sell more and pleasing their customers.
0: Yep. Love it. Love this world you're helping create, Daniel, um, helping small business people get set up deeper tier, I didn't think of the environmental aspect of cards and POS terminals, to be honest. That's the first time I, I really thought about that. There's still, goodness knows how many hundreds of millions of unsold POS terminals sitting in warehouses around the world. It would be great if we could repurpose these somehow rather than just trying to sell them uh, for, for less and less money. Let, let's let's uh, leapfrog. That technology altogether. Um, so help us visualize it. I'm a small businessman. I'm setting up a, a small company selling widgets in my local city of Amsterdam, or, or maybe Oslo, let's say, to make it more uh, more local. Um, I download the Settle app onto my phone. I wish to start selling, you know, widgets a couple of day, de- uh, you know, a couple of day. Um, walk us through what the user experience is like of using that app. Um, when I log in, what are my options? How do I interface with it? Um, help, us, help us see it.
1: So on the, let's start on the business side, right, to get this set up. So firstly, as a business, uh, whether or not you're an individual business or you're incorporated as a business, that depends on the different legalities for every market that we're live in. But let's just make it simple and say you go on to sell.eu, our website, And on that website, you sign up as a business. You go through a simple um, self-service enrollment and you can start to configure your acceptance of Settle instantly. So we will process, you know, the formalities in the background, we'll check your settlement bank account and stuff like that. But you're you're simply telling us, you know, this is my business, this is my name, um, and this is my bank account that I would like you to pay out the money to. And then you start to configure. And this depends on how, you run your business, what type of business you are, and how you would like to accept payments. So I'll walk you through the different options. So if you just want to receive money, as I explained earlier, where somebody can just send you money to your business, mm-hmm. this is something we call Settle Anywhere. So Settle Anywhere is the, is the simple business product that allows you to accept payments anywhere. And um, you uh, accept payments by your name. So with the name that you registered that be verified, you can now start to accept payments. You can you can print a small piece of paper that we give you that explains I I as a business accept settle and, and you just find my name in your contact list. This is to explain it to the consumers on the other side. Uh so you can just walk out and you can set up your small stand, you know, at the city square and and you sell whatever you want to sell, and you have a small sign that you printed that says, you can just settle to me. And then you can, um, below that sign, you, you type in the business name. And when I step over and want to buy whatever you're selling from you, and I, I can see from the sign that you accept Settle. And I use Settle already to send and receive money from my friends. So I'm quite familiar with the concept of just sending money to friends. I, I, you know, I enter the amount, I pick the recipient from my address book, and I send the money. For me as a consumer, the experience is exactly the same as, as sending money to friends. So I enter the amount that we've agreed for the number of items that you've sold me. And then I search for your name in my address book, just like I would search for my friend's name. Mm-hmm. And because you're registered as a business in the Settle ecosystem, you would show up in my address book. We just insert the business name when you search for it. And if you have location turned on, we will even bring that to the top because we're presuming you want to pay to the business that's right in front of you. So we'll make it super easy. You don't necessarily have to even search. We just show it in the top of your address book as suggested. So when I would pay to you, I'll just pick your name from the list in the app, enter the amount, and then I slide to pay, and I've paid to you. Um, I can now, if if you're completely without, without any hardware, meaning you don't even have a phone or a laptop or anything or an iPad or anything near you as a business, we allow uh, a confirmation to be showed on the consumer's phone. Oh. So you can imagine certain places where you can do this, and wow, it's quite known.
0: Yep. I guess you wouldn't want right, to so make yeah. that a matter of course, but the fact that you could do that in a pinch, for whatever reason you had to do such a transaction, that, that's very helpful indeed. I've never seen that before.
1: So so that's like a small trick and we've learned from from the market by looking at, so studying the different situations and, and we don't want you to, you know, rely on any hardware. We don't want the business to have, to have, you know, enough battery on their phone or to bring a laptop or whatever. So this is like the, it's the crudest sort of lowest level way for a business to accept payments with Settle. Yeah. So, um, and you can just validate on my on my screen. And obviously we instruct the, the business on how to do that. And we have animations involved that makes it hard to fake. So yes, sure, there is an opportunity for, you know, some a f- a speculative fraudster to try to mimic this. But, you know, it, it, it's a type of fraud that doesn't necessarily scale well. Mm. Um, but we have this opportunity, right? So if you don't want to have any hardware or a phone or anything, you can verify on the payer's phone. So that's the lowest level. Now, let's move up to to another type. So let's assume now that you're running a small cafe or a restaurant or, or a store that sells shoes. It doesn't really matter. But you would like to sell more. And currently, your business is dependent on the sort of random people who steps physically into your shop. So what we can do with the Settle ecosystem is that you can sign up for something called Settle Quick. And Settle Quick is another acceptance tool that we've created and by the way, all of these acceptance methods are completely free. They're all included in the service. So you only pay for the payments that you receive. You pay nothing to use the system. Yes. And settle quick enables you to create small uh, bundles, so simple product composition. So let's say, you know, the, the breakfast deal or a special item you have on sale or something in your inventory that you want to get rid of. So single item offers. And when you create a settle quick code, it's basically a product, a fixed price product wrapped in a QR code or a link. And you can display and advertise that QR code or that link anywhere you want to outside of the Settle ecosystem. So You can post it on Instagram. You can post it on Facebook. You can, you know, run a local ad in the newspaper with the QR code on it, uh, you know, wherever you want to publish this, uh, including you can, you can have this offer marketed outside your, your, your coffee shop where you say, you know, the daily breakfast deal, uh, 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 a pre-made bagel and a cup of coffee is one euro. And what happens if somebody clicks or scans this thing is that they get an instant payment request for the deal and information about the deal. So if I were to scan this, it says, you know, you're buying the breakfast deal. It's a bundle consisting of these things and you pay one euro. And it says, once you've paid, you step over to the express counter and pick pick it up. Your reference number is W27. So we we generate a very simple, simple, like, like order code. And when, when I do that payment, what happens is that on the iPad or computer or whatever tool the business wants to use, uh, it says ping and they have a new order. They can see the order and do the order management to this very simple online tool. It's not an app. You don't need to install anything. You just log in with your credentials in the settle for business portal. And there you see all the orders and then the chef or whoever, or if it's the shoe store or whatever, can prepare this thing and make it ready for pickup. It's it's almost like Starbucks for anything. The Starbucks app experience for anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I walk into the shop, you know, I, I step over to the sort of express counter. I say, I have W27. And the girl says, yes, this it's ready for you. You're Daniel, right? And I say, yeah, I'm Daniel. That's fine. So here's my order. I get my bagel and coffee. It's already paid for. So there's no exchange of any funds or anything. I just pick up my stuff. Um and, and this enables, I mean, it, it's very timely for us looking at the the, the COVID nineteen pandemic situation. Eight. These type of tools, right? Yeah. These type of tools are, are empowering consumers to continue to buy from local businesses and it's empowering local businesses to deal with orders and payments in a safe way while still, you know, staying open and serving their clients. Um, so it, it's right. it's a cool acceptance tool and it enables, you know, bluntly put, it enables businesses to sell more. And mm-hmm. as a side note, we're now demoing and testing the concept of not only allowing the businesses to create these codes and advertise them wherever they want, but we're also opening up the opportunity to run these ads um, contextualized and personalized inside the Settle app. So on uh-huh. the consumer side, if you walk down the street and we know it's morning and you likely like coffee or you bought coffee before, we're going to allow the business who's advertising this breakfast deal to reach you through that ecosystem. Um, wow. um, so it's a very interesting way to allow businesses to actually sell more and connect with, with the, the both existing and potential new clients.
0: Amazing. If I don't have the uh, Settle app on my phone and I walk into a coffee shop and, and see the QR code, is there a way for me to, to access that deal you know, have my payment accepted without having the Settle app or would I be um, diverted to, to downloading the app?
1: You would be harshly rejected. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, just jo- <laughs> I'm just joking. But uh, no, so any, any QR code uh, used in the Settle ecosystem are in fact a download code if you don't have the app. So um, it's clever enough constructed so that if you scan this with your native camera uh, mm. or by any other means of QR scanning, you will be diverted to the App Store and instructed to download this. Great. Um, so, so yeah. So so we're trying to make it as simple as, as humanly possible. But yeah, in order to enjoy this sort of proprietary experience, a bit like if you want to pay with a Visa card, you need a Visa card. So in this case, you you need the app. Um, it's really easy to set up. You don't have to do any KYC or any like cumbersome processes to get going. Um, we allow users to get up and running really quickly. And you know within a minute, you would be up and running with the app, adding your card if you have one, and then you can scan the deal and enjoy that uh, within 60 seconds.
0: Got it. And is it kind of geo-specific or geo-dependent? Let, let's say the app knows I like a coffee from the same shop every morning at 8 or 9 a.m., uh, but I want to order it just when I leave my house, it's a five minute walk to the shop. Can I order it five minutes away, you know, 500 meters away from the shop? Or do I need to be physically close to whatever physical store is is offering the the QR code, is offering the discount?
1: So that's a great question. And the answer is yes and no. So we have to separate two things. So if the merchant would like to give you this offer, If the merchant would like to give you this offer, they decide where they market the offer. So mm-hmm. that means, you know, if you're a loyal customer, uh, or if you follow them on Instagram or whatever, or if they want to send this out to you, so, so you're always free to interact with the offers that you know exist. And it's up to the store to manage these offers, right? So if, if they have a daily, um, they can use... The same QR code and just reconfigure what you can buy on it, so they can have their like daily special QR code and link. And every morning they they adjust this, and you know what it is, and you click that thing. Or um, so as long as the QR code or link is accessible to you and the store has not closed it, you can use it. So on in that perspective, the answer is yes, you can access this access this however and whenever from wherever you want. But on the advertising side, so allowing the business to Advertise towards consumers inside the Settle ecosystem, that's run in a very traditional advertising way. So the business then again decides the the terms for that. And yes, we do support location-based, but that's something the business specifies. So they have to decide if they would like this offer to show up uh, within a certain radius around a given location. And it doesn't have to be their location. I mean, they can target, you know, city center and then drive traffic from the city center to like the neighboring street where they're located. Or they can choose time of day or they can choose uh, other parameters that the advertisement feature exposes. They will never be able to target specifically a user. So for GDPR um, purposes and also to ensure that we're not uh, sharing any data with anyone, Uh, we're not exposing any data. So it's a bit like when you create a Facebook advertisement campaign, you get to set the parameters for the target audience and it can be quite narrow, but we're never exposing any data. You just choose like a group and then we will make the the intricate connections on the back end to make sure that you, who fit the the parameters set, are the ones um, together with others in the same parameter group that gets this ad served. Uh, It's quite sophisticated, enabling the business to tap into data. Not data about you, but data about their own business where we can make recommendations in the system. And, and, and this is the next generation of the advertisement part of the system that we're working on, where we would provide insights to the business and say, we presume that you can make more, meaning selling more relevant coffee to people who are coffee hungry in the morning. If you, you know, run ads at this location or at this time, or, you know, to this age or gender group, um, to, to try to steer your activity in a way where you can sell more, where it's still relevant, because if it doesn't convert, then it's worth nothing. Mm. So the advertisement system uses these, you know, today quite known mechanics to enable these powerful connections. And, and the goal for us is not to you know, hammer you with ads. The goal is to create relevant and interesting and personalized offers and deals that you would like to see. And it's, it, the magic is in that matching.
0: Yeah. Amazing how you can build this sort of personalized, localized uh, business ecosystem, if you like, between My preferences as a consumer, where I like to eat and drink and shop, my uh, ability to to pay cash-free instantaneously um, and get good discounts and and, uh, money off various offers um, all through this kind of single app. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it yet. I love the way you're bringing um, power to the merchant um, through using it also as this targeted advertising form, whilst remaining kind of GDR compliant. It's, uh, there's a lot going on there, but I think if you're able to balance it all nicely, that is a, a seriously powerful ecosystem you're building, Daniel. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. Um, but we are just coming up for, uh, for time. There's several more questions I'd like to ask, but is there anything you would like to share with our audience about yourself or your company or how the next year looks or anything at all you'd like to sign off on?
1: sure and and firstly thank you for all the kind words i'm, I'm excited and, and happy that, that you like what we've what we've built and what we're on the journey to create mm. um if there if there would be one thing i would like to add it's um it's one uh, other important lessons that or one one other important thing that we've learned from doing this before sort of in the nordics and looking at the the success of others so we believe that even if you have you know a great piece of technology if you have, um, you know, the, the formal licenses that are needed to operate, if you have beautiful services uh, and even a, a great vision for those services, like we believe that we do, we don't think that that's enough to succeed. So, from a commercial perspective, what is crucial for Settle to reach its its full potential is a simple but yet very boring, boring word: um, distribution. And this is this is likely the sort of unknown beauty of what we've created. Is that Settle in itself uh, has a business model underneath the hood, which is uh, facilitating massive distribution. So we, if we just brought Settle to every single EU market, I mean, today we're live in 21 markets, and we're trying to add the additional markets over the course of the next couple of years in all of EU. Um, but in order to succeed in the local markets, we need massive local distribution by local famous trusted brands so um, with our experience we know that banks out there are looking for ways to serve their audience better Um, there there are a lot of banks that has realized that as a result of PSD2 and what's happening in the sort of regulatory environment that others can now join in and start to serve their customers on top of their existing infrastructure so the bank account is no longer sort of owned by the bank it's open for everyone So to avoid just becoming rails, you need to serve your clients Mm. with, with some, some, some services that the clients are looking for. And fortunately for us, you know, mobile payments, the way I've described it to you is the fastest growing financial services product on the face of the planet. It's growing tremendously out of the Nordics, you know, it's growing tremendously out of, out of Asia, predominantly with China, and now also in the home of the credit card. So the US mm-hmm. both has the sort of old timer fintech company of Venmo, but now also the banks have joined forces and are creating like a joint scheme called sell. And they're all quite successful. And, and one of the secrets, the, the secret elements that we've discovered is, is key for the success is this notion that there will eventually only be one winner in every domestic market. So there might be different winners in different markets, but there will only eventually be one winner in every domestic market. Uh, And we, we believe this to be true. We've seen this and, and it simply relates to how consumers and businesses behave. So if imagine that there's two different telephone networks and they can't interconnect and you have to ask your friends, which network is you on so that I can call you? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't work if you have the wrong phone or the wrong fax machine, then nobody would buy anything <laughs> or use anything. And equally the, the, the business side, they, they don't want to invest in like new technology or implement anything or put up a sticker on the door for acceptance. If they're not sure that sort of, this is the winner. It's extremely hard to sell sort of a non-winning solution or a saturated dispersed market. So what we've seen is that somebody needs to come into the market and facilitate what we call collaboration between competitors. And that means that one local partner can't just like come up with their own mobile payment service. They need to create this ecosystem with both the consumer and the businesses taken care of, like in our product composition, but you also need to have a business model where you can work with your competitors. Now, what does that really mean? Uh, For those of us in the payments industry that knows uh, the card schemes, they've done this beautifully. And if you think of it, it's kind of weird. So you can have two fierce competitors, like two large banks competing for your attention. Mm -hmm. They want you as a customer. One has you and the other does not. And funny enough, they're both issuing cards with another third party's name on for example, Visa. This -hmm. applies also for MasterCard. And so so why do they do that? Well, they do it because, you know, it's a payment service, it's a network, it's a scheme, it's a set of services that are very strictly regulated. It's like a standard and and the, the same rules apply for everyone. And that means that even though the two players are competing fiercely to win over the customers and serve them, they both provide the same service for this particular thing, And there is a benefit to it. It means that when customers from A wants to pay with or to customers of B, that works and they both make money. And equally, if customers of B wants to pay to or spend money at customers of A, that also works. So it's the sort of fax machine principle. Nobody wants to buy the first one. So everyone needs to agree on a certain standard, a scheme, a set of rules and interoperability. And then everyone wins, even if you're competitors. And this is the beauty of Settle. So inside this whole this 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 monster of a technical platform that we've created mm-hmm. and the beautiful services on top. We've made a business model that facilitates um, partnerships amongst competitors so that everyone can join in and distribute Settle. Just like issuing a Visa card, you can issue Settle to your clients and just like accepting or, you know, providing acquiring services for businesses for a card scheme, we allow acquirers or anyone who deals with businesses to provide Settle to those for acceptance. Um, And there is a economical incentive built into that model so that anyone who brings customers to the settled scheme, either on the consumer or the business side are rewarded appropriately, fairly across the whole board. Um, This is such a crucial element to success. Um, Otherwise, you'll just be like Alipay, like you're buying yourself into the market. And, you know, luckily we found a model which is more pragmatic than that and, and sort of aids and, and brings together everyone's interests into one service. And, and we believe that, that that's crucial. So that's the last thing I wanted to add. There is a business model underneath this beautiful service and it facilitates massive success and collaboration and local ownership in every single market we launch in.
0: Ah, visionary stuff, Daniel. Massive success and collaboration. Uh, it's been wonderful to talk with you. I feel like we've, we've barely scratched the surface with the things you've done and the things you're doing in, in the world of FinTech. So thank you for putting your, your brain to work in this, uh, in this brilliant market that we're in. Um, please come back on the show maybe in one year when your company is just skyrocketed. Um, how can people uh, find out more? How can they download the app? Where should they go?
1: So if you live in any of the 21 markets where Settle is available, you can just go to your app store and search for Settle. And if you're outside any of those markets, you'll likely be able to download the app anyway, but you can't activate it just yet. I would encourage everyone to download the app and we will let you know when it's available in your country. And if you want more information about Settle, just visit settle.eu. You can find all the information there, both for consumers and for businesses. And we will shortly also um, refurbish the website and include all the information about the scheme and how distribution partners can join on the same website. So remember settle.eu, that's where you find everything you need.
0: Brilliant, Mr. Daniel Dodeline, thank you very much for being on In Check with Fintech. Uh, We wish you all the best and I hope to uh, be speaking with you again soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lewis, and I really appreciate being on the show and I look forward to coming back.
0: Brilliant. Bye for now, Daniel.
1: Hi. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner Free Girl who are
0: dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world.
1: Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free Girl. Every day, 2 million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us. Unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.